one of the things that I've had to, that God's kind of worked through in my healing process is understanding that it's not just that your mom wasn't there because you go through a traumatic situation, you fall down a skin your knee, whatever it is, and your mom isn't there, that can leave a traumatic spot mm-hmm. in your life, right? To go, man, I really needed my mom and she wasn't there for whatever reason. When your mom is the one that's causing the hurt, even though in your mind as a child, it all gets twisted up, that becomes even more difficult. This is Behind Our Smiles. Pursuing connection. And finding joy. Even in the struggle. And welcome back to another episode of the Behind Our Smiles podcast. We are Joe and Tara Buchanan. And this is part one of a two-part series. And if you haven't read the title yet, it is... Can we just skip Mother's Day? Mm, yes. We are so glad that you're hanging out with us. We love spending time with you. And speaking of skip, our family loves Uno. And the crazier the rules, I guess there's some crazy mm-hmm. rules online. And we try to play by those sometimes because our kids have a lot of fun with it. But one of our favorite cards is the skip card. Mm-hmm. Because uh, whenever you want to or feel the need to or the other person has Uno or whatever the case is, you can literally just skip them. Right. A skip card <laughs> is good to have. And there are times that we wanted to skip over certain things. Yes. And so that's where I know from living with Joe for the many years that I have, that if he had a skip card in his hand right about now, the middle of April, Mm. he'd say, can we we skip over that part? And a lot of it is when it comes to Mother's Day, skipping over the extra hallmarkization of the Mm. holiday and all the talk about moms and how wonderful they are. And have you remembered your mothers this week and this day? And there's a lot, a lot of emphasis in our culture about, you know, honoring moms this time of year as, as we should be. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure and there are a lot of great moms. Mm-hmm. And if you are a great mom, happy Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really grateful that, and, and hope that you will be celebrated. And Tara, you are a fantastic mom. Mm-hmm. So you uh, deserve to be celebrated. We want to mm-hmm. celebrate that. But when you turn on the television or social media, social media or everywhere and you, or you're in the Walgreens or wherever mm-hmm. and you see all this stuff pointing toward a perfect mom. If you didn't have a perfect mom or your relationship with your mom Mm -hmm. is not quite right, then it can make you feel like something's wrong with you. Right. You don't resonate with that feeling. And you know, for me, Joe, the way I grew up that where there was nothing weird about mother's day and there was no reason to want to skip it. (laughs) Like I grew up with a great mom and she cared for me and loved me. And I could spend an episode kind of giving you great memories that I remember mother's day, making the crafts at Sunday school for her Mm -hmm. and doing something special so there was that culture shock when we got married and going, oh, he does not have the same memories as I do. Mm-hmm. Like there was just a whole different dynamic from what you saw, because again, you saw on TV or the ads, these beautiful picturesque pictures of moms, which honestly are not real in anyone's mm-hmm. life. Right. <laughs> like no one's that good of a mom, me included. And it, I know for you, it just created the whole different feeling in you, Joe. I'm not sure how you describe those feelings of when you see that picture perfect memory of a mom. Well, I think the first place that I typically will go is that there's something wrong with me Mm -hmm. because we've often heard the phrase, he's got a face that only a Mm -hmm. mom can love or Mm -hmm. things like that. And so if you grow up feeling your mom didn't love you, Mm -hmm. then whose fault is that? Right. And so as I kind of turn that inward on myself to say, it must be my fault. There must be something wrong with me. I couldn't make it work or I was not a good enough kid or these types of things. So those are some of the mm-hmm. feelings that, that. Right. Because a mom in our, in our version of life, and then obviously even what God would ask mom to do is this picture of selfless love, right? Mm-hmm. Is this 
pouring out of yourself to benefit your child, to take care of your child for any reason. Like you said, only a mother can love or the mother's love is just, it is idolized to see this person who can, who can love so well. And it's obviously my goal as a mom. But it's funny how you, when you first kind of would tell that to me, whenever we had these conversations, Joe, it was very foreign to me because I'm like, why would you think it's you? Like, mm. it's not something's wrong with you. Something wrong was with how you were mothered, mm. <laughs> like clearly. But it's interesting how it took you a long time to say it wasn't me. Someone else has wronged me. Someone else has did violate their their obligation to take care of you. And I think I was well into my adulthood before I really began to understand what mm-hmm. that looked like. Um, and even to this day, I still go, you'll hear, you'll correct me sometimes because mm-hmm. I'll be like, yeah, but I could have done handled that differently. You're like, Joe, you were six. <laughs> right. How could you have handled that differently? Right. But I think uh, um, children, and we've seen it in our own kids and having kids has brought a lot of healing too because I look at my mm-hmm. kids and I go, goodness gracious, anyone treating that if they had parents that treated them in the way that I was treated, there's no way that any rationally minded person mm-hmm. on the planet would say it was their fault. Right. And so it's helped me to kind of come back to that and go, okay, I could take a deep breath and say that wasn't my fault. It doesn't change the fact that there is real aftermath of traumatic mm-hmm. events. There's real aftermath of the abuse that I sustain that I still have to work through and am still working through. But help, you know, God kind of working that healing process to help me come to grips with the idea that maybe it really wasn't my fault, Mm -hmm. that whatever I did wrong, it didn't warrant that. Right. That has helped a lot. It's interesting too, because as an adult right now, you can kind of put words to those feelings. But Joe, can you think of a time, what you felt as a kid? I mean, depending on how back you go, far you back, how far back you go. So obviously in your early childhood, you were taken out of your mother's home due to abuse, put into foster care, further abused. And so you never really understood what the ideal was. It wasn't no. like you had the ideal and then you lost it. Do you remember that first feeling when you kind of go, this doesn't feel the way I want to feel in terms of your relationship with your mother? Well, I think it was that way pretty much all along. Mm-hmm. It was, I definitely didn't want it. I remember in my earliest memories being in foster care and just wishing that my mom would come get me mm-hmm. or or dreaming or fantasizing about the idea that she was standing outside the door mm-hmm. or and there and we've talked about this in previous episodes but there are times when mom was supposed to come visit me mm-hmm. and she never showed up and those types of things so i always internalize that as mm-hmm. in if i had been a better kid or if i had only done this differently or maybe i could have told her uh, this one more time or not said that and you can drive yourself absolutely crazy working those things over in your head. And so I think for me, uh, especially in, in if I go back to my childhood, it, it, a lot of it was largely internalized, like how could, what could I have done better or what I should have done better? I just wish my mom was here. It's interesting because again, I don't think you had the words at the time no, for that. It's no. not like you would have said that. And this is so interesting to me, again, Joe, and have not experienced this, but many times, let's say your mom had come to get you for some visit that she was able to have, that there would be abuse involved in there. So it wasn't like you were just going to be going to the carnival and having this wonderful time that a lot of times going back with your mom would mean bad things, but there was still that, again, innate desire to say, I want to have her love, right? Yeah, even even when I began to understand what, really was done to mm-hmm. me, 
I still, because I think in our mind's eye too, the people that we want to be with are per, are kind of per, like they're, they're not bending, mm-hmm. they're bending to our will, right? Yeah. They're, they're kind of behaving in a way that we want them to behave. So I think it, being with my mom and having my mom want me to be with her probably trumped a lot of the fear because there was legitimate mm-hmm. fear too. Um, there were also, my mom was really, really poor. And so in the times mm-hmm. that I was with my mom, there were times that we didn't eat, for instance. Mm-hmm. There were times that that bled into other things. So I remember being really, really hungry as a child and not not even being able to identify that that's right. what was happening, just but just right. being very uncomfortable. And there were times I'm sure that my mom couldn't afford to feed us, but there were other mm-hmm. times that I think that was purposely withheld from us mm-hmm. because of the things that my mom was dealing with. Well, at least that with. was told right. to you in some way. I think that... Yeah. And we talk about this idea that the things that your mom said to you, the things that mothers say to you become a very loud voice. And so like you were saying, if I'd been better, that this wouldn't happen to me. And that's sometimes because the different mom figures in your life, whether it be your mom or your foster mom, would tell you those things. If you are better, right, you can earn. Or it's your fault. Right. You did this. This is why. And I think going back a, a little bit to childhood, there were other times when I was with my mom in the under the care of my mom. And she would disappear mm-hmm. for long periods of time. And, and I know it was, it was at least a night and a day. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, distinctive memories. I had a younger brother who was a year younger. And um, like, I'll give you a quick example. He had locked himself. We, we lived in this trailer and he had locked himself in the bathroom and couldn't get out. And he was screaming and I couldn't get him out. And I, w- I was just like, mom, where are you? I need right. you. And uh, that happened so much or we were, we would be locked in a closet while mm-hmm. things were, you know, she was gone. And so it'd be like, man, when is she coming home? It's just the, that kind of desperateness mm-hmm. of just wanting your mom to come rescue you, mm-hmm. right? If she were here, then things know, would be different. There's that rescue. And I think I learned so much more about understanding perhaps what your, your story was like, Joe, I know when I had my babies, and how much is, again, you're, as a parent, you're trying to figure out how do you be the perfect mom, right? Mm. And how do you take care of your kids so that they never have any issues? There's no way to do that. But <laughs> the, con- the idea of going, the kids need to learn that their needs will be met. It's like this basic human thing that when they cry, someone picks them up. When they're hungry, they get fed. When they're wet, they get changed. Like in those simple things that we do every day as parents is when they're tiny newborn babies, is like establishing in them then this trust concept that, hey, when you have a need, this adult's going to meet your need. And I thought, again, that's common sense 101. I became a mom. If my child has a need, I should meet it, right? Mm-hmm. And then thinking about what you went through, Joe, and saying, okay, you did not have that experience at all, right? That when you had a need, it was not met. A need for safety, a need for food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's something that everyone would say did affect you all the way through your life in adulthood. It still shows up today. Right. I mean, it's such a basic need. Uh, I think looking back, there was a lot of physical abuse, a lot of physical abuse. I'm uh, blind in one eye because mm-hmm. of some of the, the abuse and tr- stuff that happened. But I think the stuff that has stuck with me mm-hmm. and the stuff that impacts me even to this day had nothing to do with the physical side of the mm-hmm. abuse. It was the neglect. Mm-hmm. It was the lack of need being met, even though I didn't know that at the right. time, didn't know how to articulate any of that. It was that lack of trust. And even it it took me a long, long time. And I'm still getting there to be able to trust God mm-hmm. at a high level because 
of that was broken so early on. And it really did take me a long time to, to even be able to put words to that, to understand. And, and in our relationship too, just learning to really be able to, to trust you as fully as I need to. Right, to say, been really tough. I think that's been a lifelong process I've seen in you that, hey, Tara, I have a need. Can you meet it? Right? Mm. Like that was a big step for you. And I know in you, you generally, you know, Joe, you're a very kind person. You're a very generous person. You're a very giving person. But I know I see and underneath the surface is this concept of going, my needs don't matter. Right? Mm. It's almost like the concept that everyone else's needs matter. And I think I had to like work on you over the yes. years to go, it's okay if, you know, you have a need and it needs to be met. It's like, well, no, everyone else will eat, right? And I'll let, I don't have to eat. It's like, no, you have to eat too. Mm. And <laughs> different things like that would show up. And I was like, you could be a little bit taking care of the things that are important to you too. But I think that does go, does go back to your childhood, not having that person that says, just relax, I'll take care of it. It's like, no, you couldn't relax and they weren't going to take care of it. And I think too, no, I appreciate that. I think too, you don't have to have the, these kind of traumatic events to have a, an unhealthy relationship with your mom growing up to still experience um, a weirdness or a hardship or uh, just uncomfortableness, if we will, mm -hmm. around Mother's Day when you begin to see, because again, we all want to believe that moms as a whole are great. We mm -hmm. all want to believe in our culture. I think most are. Yeah, right. and, I, and mm -hmm. I do. And I've met some tremendous, incredible people who are fantastic moms to their children. And so many times mothers are under-celebrated and underappreciated. Yes. So to go above and beyond is sometimes warranted. But again, if, you, if you're in church with a mom who's doing a fantastic job, mm -hmm. her kids are turning out great, or whatever mm -hmm. you would put on that to, to measure that success, then how do you how do you um, reconcile? How do you come to grips with the fact that that's not what you experienced? Mm -hmm. And I know that life isn't fair and all of those things, but it's really really difficult sometimes to to get your head wrapped around the power of those emotions mm -hmm. to understand why they surface when they do, and to understand exactly what they mean. Well, I think I see in you too, and it was heavier obviously as a child when you were completely still in it just the desire for that unconditional love, right? Is there someone out there right. that loves me unconditionally? And I think in time, as you've healed, you realized, okay, this person in my life, whatever mother figures in your life, and you had several mother figures, this is not gonna be the source of that unconditional love. But because I think having a mom is a basic human need, we'll put it in the category as, you know, having food, like it's important that that desire was really stronger at other times in your life to say, if only I had if I just had right, a mother's love, that kind of love that I see on TV, wow, what a hole that would fill in my life. And along the way to say, again, to reconcile that I didn't get that. And you can't, it's kind of too late to get it now, right? With what you wanted at five years old or eight years old or 13 or 15, just to say, but that desire is still there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad desire. right? It's just putting it in its proper place to say, what do you do with that desire to say, I wish I had that? Right. When you see other families that had these perfect, you know, you looked at my family and said right. like, wow, your mom loves you and she does this for you and does that for you. And she encourages you and they cheer you on and they're there for you when things are hard. You know, I wish I had that. Have you kind of reconciled with that? Well, and I think it becomes, you know, I don't know if this is childish thinking or whatever, mm -hmm. but when you see it displayed in such a healthy and spectacular mm -hmm. way, it really is glaring mm -hmm. how much you lost 
Like as a child, like we talked about, mm-hmm. I don't it's even huge. know if I knew how much I lost. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I knew how much I lost until I started to meet people in my life who were getting it right. Then I began to go, it was healing because mm-hmm. I go, okay, that wasn't that, normal. That wasn't normal, right? Right. There was something wrong there, but it also is like, oh man. And I think also one of the things that I've had to, that God's kind of worked through in my healing process is uh, understanding that. It's not just that your mom wasn't there because you go through a traumatic situation, you you fall down a skin your knee, whatever it is, and your mom isn't there, that can leave a, a traumatic spot mm-hmm. in your life, right? To go, man, I really needed my mom and she wasn't there for whatever reason. When your mom is the one that's behind mm-hmm. the hurt, hurt, is causing the hurt, and there's no way she can rescue you because she's the one mm-hmm. causing the hurt, even though in your mind as a child, it all gets twisted up. I think that becomes even more difficult. Right. And we, we haven't mentioned, but it's obvious too, Joe, just as we kind of say that you struggle with your mother wound the most. Like for some mm-hmm. reason, the time I've known you, your the lack of mothering for you far eclipses lack of fathering. Because let's be honest, you didn't have a father that protected you and loved you conditionally as well. I mean, then they a lot of get in and out of your life and abandonment and everything. But it's interesting though, like you said, the person who's supposed to protect you you know, it's not like even dad could protect you from mom or mom protected you from dad. There was, and in fact, you took on the role of the protector to protect mm-hmm. your brother in the only way that you could as a six-year-old or as a 10-year-old. But it's just interesting how certain those that desire and those wounds just do hang on for a while because they are so deep. They do. And they show up in, in the weirdest places, right? They're mm-hmm. triggered by the weirdest things. And of course, this time of year, they're mm-hmm. triggered and more so than, than not than nor, you know, normal or whatever. But I think where it's kind of surfaced in our relationship and, and in my life is one of the areas that I see it is in our kids. And mm-hmm. it, like one of the things that I have a very short uh, patience with is when the kids are not respectful to you or, <laughs> and, and they're being normal kids. Right. Our kids aren't like outwardly disrespectful in any way like that. Although they, they are normal kids, but I am like, wait a minute. <laughs> Cause in my brain it's going, you have no idea how right. incredible <laughs> you have it. And you are complaining over this. Are you kidding me? And I had, you have helped me to take that step back and say, yes, you're right. It's it, we cannot tolerate that behavior. You kids cannot be outwardly disrespectful toward their parents. However, understanding that they are also just processing their kids mm-hmm. and it's okay if they're not 1000% grateful every moment of every day. <laughs> well, I think you've also mentioned before that like, even if they are disrespectful and even if they really like cross the line, we still love them. Right. We're still here. We deal with it. Whereas you're kind of saying to yourself, if I pulled that kind of situation mm. with some of my mother figures in my life, I could have gotten punished in a, in a brutal, physical, right. very extreme, you know, criminal kind of way. <laughs> like, you know, for us, we're just right. going to deal with it, have a talking with them, send them to the room, whatever we, you know, handle it with. And to say, man, our kids can make mistakes and they fall short and they don't do what they're supposed to do. And yet we deal with it. We don't throw them on the street, lock them out of the house or you know, whatever those kind of things happen and to say, hey, this is to realize that, wait a minute, I didn't get that same fair treatment that I could have gotten. I think also what makes my story more complicated and a little bit more difficult is the way that it was twofold. Mm -hmm. So I had my childhood, my early years dealt with a very traumatic, abusive situation with Mm -hmm. my mom, neglect, abandonment, all of those things. 
And then I go through foster care, deal with a lot of, there was a lot of abusive situations in, in foster care and with my, you know, just being with my mom here, being with my dad Instability, here, all that. Right. Instability and, and, um, but then I'm adopted mm-hmm. and things are supposed to be promised to be perfect. Right. And I think I did bring in ma- a major amount of hurt into mm-hmm. that adoptive relationship. I was 10 years right. old at the time. I had all of this history in my past, so I know I wasn't the quote unquote perfect child by any Which stretch. doesn't matter. But the things that happened under the watch of that home further, mm-hmm. um, further confirmed some of the things that I believed about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the abuse, con- there's a, a lot of the abuse continued, a lot of um, not so great things happened and eventual flat out, not just abandonment, but complete rejection, mm-hmm. right. like to the level of you're not my son. Well, going back to what we just said, though, I know that at 10, right, part of you is saying, if only I had, right, I want mm. to be loved unconditionally and have that security and safety from a mom, but I know part of you was not ready yet either, right, to say, do I trust you, right? And so you naturally, as a 10-year-old, subconsciously are going, I want a mom, but I'm not ready to really Right, Trust and I you think as a yes, my mom figure. And, in the, and I, I think this is not the podcast to go into deep detail here, because we're talking about Mother's Day. But I think part of what happened there was when you adopt someone and you rescue someone, mm-hmm. you expect a certain reaction from mm-hmm. them. We should be grateful, right? And and I and I was grateful, but I didn't You're know ten years old. I didn't know <laughs> what I to be grateful for. I didn't really believe it was forever. Number one, mm-hmm. I didn't really believe that they were going to love me in the way that I was told that 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 this was mm-hmm. going to be different. I mean, I remember uh, going out of my last foster home, getting on an airplane and flying to a different city, and thinking like, and all I had was the clothes on my back, mm-hmm. and not knowing what the future held. And and nobody, it's nobody's fault. On on this level because we're they were looking back at how young everybody was that was involved right. and we're all just learning right competent structures and and that that that's excusable really mm-hmm. i think when it when you start to get into this idea of um the abuse that happened after that and like for instance i, I never did drugs mm-hmm. i never like snuck out of the house i i didn't do the things that typical teenagers Although that did would i didn't be party understandable in a level right. of kids who been but through tough it's things it's not like i was a, i mean i know that i talk back to my parents and i know um that i was not always easy to live we with all have and our I, bad attitudes yeah, right i was dealing with some very heavy things no excuse i know that i wasn't the easiest teenage child to raise mm-hmm. but when your parents tell you it's your behavior is the reason I'm abusing you. that they're treating you in this way and the way mm-hmm. in the reason that they flat out abandon and reject you that's where that in that further instilled or, or further confirmed in me the things that I already believed about myself. It's so me, right. It's the problem is me. The thing that's really disappointing is I felt I feel like during those years, my teenage years was an opportunity for real healing mm-hmm. to happen. And it, it only only further made things worse. Right. Really. And I think that's why looking at your journey of healing, we kind of go, it wasn't just a childhood wound but also a teenage wound, you know, almost young man wound with your mother that it's like, yeah, this takes time to heal from, right? When you look at those kind of, well, you know, one, two punches in your life. The things that happened in the later in my teen years, mm-hmm. as you know, Tara, are the th- are some of the things that are hardest mm-hmm. to work through. Those were the things that, that have, yes, my childhood impacts 
me. There's no doubt about it, but it's the things that happened in my teen years that are the deepest source of pain for me when I am dealing. And when Mother's Day rolls around, it's like, Joe, not only was your mom not good to you, your original birth mom, mm-hmm. and we can go into other reasons. We're going to get to that in a second of why I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but you had multiple opportunities to have a mom love and care for you, and you failed at every mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. You even had a mom who said, I'm going to adopt you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to love you for the rest of your life, regardless of what you've been through. Just because others saw this mm-hmm. in you, I don't. That's my thinking, right, by hope. the way. And yet, they still couldn't make it work. Mm-hmm. And I lived in that adoptive home for less than 17 years, or less than seven, seven years. So, I mean... I- Short burn. Right. It's absolutely. So how, as a child, how are you supposed to interpret that? And and teenagers alone, adolescents still struggle with self-esteem and growing up and all those normal growing up feelings. And then to have that clash of what's going on here. And I think, you know, we can look back now and see how those, how our healing process has, has gone. And part of it is acknowledging those feelings and us talking together too, going, what are you feeling right now? What, and I'm hearing it in your voice now. You're Mm -hmm. like, whoa, what just happened? And I think that's, for talking about how we have found healing and how God has just transformed your experience, Joe, from being so much pain to a real joy in the pain has been able to name those feelings and talk about what has happened to you. And for you, it could be a good friend, it could be counseling, but somewhere we're able to come out and say, these are the things that happened. This is exactly what I was feeling. And everybody's story is different. And one of the things that I've had friends through the years say, well, yeah, but my story's not your, you know what I mean? I didn't have mm-hmm. it as bad or quote unquote, or almost like they feel guilty for dealing with things because they didn't have the same mm-hmm. experience. And that's, that's not, that should never be the case. Any traumatic. And and by the way, I feel like Tara, you and I've done a great job raising our kids, but guess what? Mm-hmm. They're going to have scars right. because mm-hmm. we are all human beings. We're never going to get it perfect. And it's a continu- continual day of, of intentional uh, action to make sure mm-hmm. that we're okay, to make right. sure that that forgiveness is being extended, to make sure that we're saying we're sorry. But I know I have regrets as a dad. Mm-hmm. There were times when I didn't handle things right. So my kids are going to have scars. So no matter what we've come through, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if someone's been through something more than right. us. We all carry hurt that we have to mm-hmm. work through and we have to surrender to God. So what else have you been, Joe, for you? What else has been part of, I know for us, part of it's been this process of talking together. What else for you has allowed you from being, you know, so completely devastated and broken and open bleeding wounds, you know, from let's say 30, 40 years ago to now where you still want to skip Mother's Day in actuality, (laughs) but in reality, you survive. I mean, we don't have to, you know, stop our lives and go into a cave, you know, you get through it in a healthier way than you did, let's say 20 years ago. I appreciate that. And I think Part of it is it took time. And, and I think this is just human nature too. I, I think on some level, we, we sometimes with, with the culture that we live in, everything's fast, right? Mm-hmm. We have instant gratification on so many things that I think some of us are like, man, we should have 20 years of experience in one year. And that doesn't work. And so I think for us, we had to be more intentional going into our mm-hmm. marriage to understand that there were some real things that we were going to have to work through. And I think it just took time for me to really learn how to trust you. Mm-hmm. I think that took time. Um, so those were things that were very helpful. I think also some things that God led me through in the healing process, like not blaming. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the open ten- the tendency is to want to blame and say, "Hey, I'm not ex- succeeding in my life the way God wants me to because look what they did to me." Mm-hmm. And God, very early on in my healing process, just made it very clear, and, and that was with some really godly people in my life. You 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 cannot make a living blaming mm-hmm. others. You cannot live your life. You're not going to go anywhere. You're going to stall out. And so, and then also understanding, but for not, sometimes we can just choose not to blame, but we can also seek understanding and understanding that my mom had some very major health issues or Mm -hmm. uh, mental health issues Mm -hmm. that made it very, very difficult for her to be a mom. She was a teenager when I was born and never, you know, had, she was abused growing up. So understanding helped a lot in that process, but I think not blaming was a big part of it. Also getting to a place where I knew I was loved. And I've, mm-hmm. I think I've shared it before in this podcast. Or and just, I, so just to clarify, yeah. it's saying like, okay, the major wound in your life, you know what I mean? And if you can encapsulate, encapsulate it in one word is, again, my, the one person in my life who should show me a level of unconditional love has failed completely. And even future people in my life. So to say, I therefore, I know my identity is I'm not loved, right? I'm the yeah. one kid whose mother doesn't love him. So I think... That was the primary wound that God had to work in you to say, okay, it's true. Your mother didn't love you, right? We can, in a sense, the way she should have, but it does not mean that Joe Buchanan is not loved. Right. And God, I really thought God tolerated me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I accepted Christ when well, I was it's all 15. all you saw, right. Right. And I really, I wanted to believe he loved me, but I couldn't get my head wrapped around it. I just mm-hmm. couldn't. No matter how many times I heard it, no matter how many Bible verses well, I read. It's a foreign concept for you. It's like thinking God a different language. Me, but I thought it was like, I thought mm-hmm. honestly it was like this. Oh, shoot. He found out. <laughs> Joe now knows how to get saved. I have to save him. <laughs> and I really, really thought tolerate is the best word to pick because I really thought God tolerated me. And I tried to stay out of his way because if he didn't see me, mm-hmm. then he wouldn't be annoyed with me. And I could just, and it was very lonely, by the way. And um, I wanted so desperately, I love God. I really was falling in love with God and I really wanted to love him. And I didn't know how to get there. And I remember I was driving over to your house. I just want to share. I know we probably shared the story before, but this was a huge, huge turning point for me. And this is why I do what I do in my ministry. And this is why I want everybody to have this experience. But I was driving over to your house, Tara, and and I was just starting to date you. And you were way out of my league, honestly, if I can just say that in my mom, in my mind, you, there were so many things about you. In, in other words, I, I could list them and we could be at this podcast all day, but I'll just say this. If anyone on the planet were special to God, I knew it was you, mm-hmm. Tara. I knew that Tara was special to God. And so I'm driving over to her house and God's reminding me of all these things that I believe in my mind that, that give value to why you're special to God. And at the, I'm having this conversation, I'm getting defensive because I really believe what's happening. This is not audible, by the way, it's all in my heart, but I believe what's happening is God's going to say to me, if you ever hurt this girl, mm-hmm. you're going to have to deal with me. And I was getting really defensive. So I was like, God, I know, I know, I know. And finally, I felt this impression on my heart. It wasn't audible, but it was as clear as the day is long. You know how I feel about her, Right. And there was a sternness in how I was feeling it. And I I said, yes, God, out loud while I'm driving. I said, yes, God, I know how you feel about her. And I I was about to say, please don't let me hurt her because I don't want to have to deal with you. And before I could even get those words out, my heart was so clear that day. God says, that's how I feel about you. And Joe, and I had to pull the car over because I remember saying like, really? 
really God, is that you? And here's how I know over the years that that was definitely God because my flesh would have gone the opposite way. Mm -hmm. My flesh would have said, if you ever hurt that girl, don't, you'll have Mm -hmm. to deal with me. That's where I, that's what I believed through my core of who I was. You were special to God. I had no business in your life. And if God allowed it, I better be careful. Mm -hmm. That's what I believed. And God turned everything on a dime that day mm-hmm. and, remind, and and spoke his love to me in a way that was undeniable. It comes back to me all the time. I'm reminded of that day when God wants to remind me that he loves me. So that day, the whole trajectory changed. That's when I really believe healing started to mm-hmm. really, there was healing that happened. No, but these are all just steps, steps in the long process. And I think there's times we have to go back to those steps again. But I think, you're, like you said, your brain was going I'm the one who's not good enough. Everyone else is, you know, loved and whatever. But it goes back to, again, the role of a mother's voice in our lives can be so strong and so loud. And I know even to this day, those voices are still in your head. And you're like, shut up. That's not, you know, yeah. that because think about the things that you've had mothers literally say to you, right? right? Like not, not imply or not innuendo, but just say, you are not good enough. Right. You're you not good enough. You will never be good enough. You're a piece you're, of this. You're, you're that. You're a problem. Right. You, you need to, you know. And so to have to have God interrupt that and go, listen, I'm, God's going to be the loudest voice in your life. That had to be the loudest voice to say whatever anyone has said about me, mother, father, you know, anybody in your life that is the loudest voice to say, no, God's, God's word is the final word on your life. You know, mm-hmm. you are loved, you are precious, you are chosen, you, you know, you've been, you know, died for by God, by Jesus, you know what I mean? Because of your value. And it's like, it's hard to wrap our minds around that. Up to that moment in my life, and I was almost 21 years old. I can honestly say I had never felt loved a day in my life. It doesn't mean I wasn't loved. I had never, ever felt loved, and I never felt significant, Mm -hmm. ever. And in that moment, now I still struggle sometimes. Mm -hmm. Even to this day, I struggle with significance. I struggle with trying not to have to always earn my love, Mm -hmm. making sure that, that it's okay to say that my needs are okay, not just everybody else's. But I think when that, that day, I felt significant for the very first time and I felt love for the very first time. And it is a powerful, powerful well, and thing. And the thing is too, Joe, you could look back and say, obviously in your home life, we could pretty much say you were not loved. And there definitely were people in your life that had shown you love. There was just mm. moments of grace, right? little people here, here and there who managed to, to show you love in a time when you didn't have it. But like you said, your brain was like almost not even wired to receive it. Mm. So someone, there are definitely people in our life that you could list off to say, man, they showed me love at a time that I had none, but you couldn't receive it. And it's, it's really awesome that your first time was saying, Hey, the love that matters most yeah. is going to be God's love only because it is the only thing you can depend on. And right? we're not tolerated. We are mm-hmm. loved. Exactly. And I think, um, so part of that was reconciliating, uh, reconciling this idea. Mm-hmm. And this was this really is, this important. This was a long one. Mm-hmm. This was really important. And it took a long time. So that began that process. That was the moment that began it. And again, we're not, the work that he started in us is mm-hmm. not completed. So this is going to be a lifelong process. But reconciling this idea that even in our suffering, mm-hmm. even when we're suffering, it does not mean that God doesn't love us. Mm-hmm. That's been so difficult. Because it's hard to imagine this God who's in charge of everything he loves would us allow so much. these things to happen. And right? then reconciling saying, but why did these things happen? Right. And why do they happen to me? And right? why did they happen again? If you say you love mm-hmm. me, God, how in the world? And I didn't even understand the depth of, mm-hmm. of that 
twist it up in my head to figure all that out. I mean, it's one of the largest questions we'll ever ask <laughs> right. as humans. So we're not going to really attempt And I to, still don't have the exact answer. answer that, but I but, think to wrestle with it, yes. to still say, I'm going to believe, you know, mostly that God was was had never forsaken me, even in the moments where, let's say, I wasn't rescued out of that situation or out of that pain, that he was, he really was with you the whole time. In fact, I can look back. And I can see evidence where God went enough, where God stepped mm-hmm. in and protected. For instance, I mentioned earlier that I'm blind in my left eye. Every eye doctor I've ever seen mm-hmm. says the blow that caused that damage mm-hmm. should have ended my life. Mm-hmm. God said enough. He mm-hmm. stepped in and he intervened. You couldn't see it at that point in my life. And I'm still God's well, again, revealing and Random things. people right. in your story who just came a little bit of balm, you know, to the wound and, you know, just in understanding the role, even of the Holy Spirit, right? That. Jesus said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's mm. going to be with you. And I love that one little line. It said, I will not leave you as orphans. You know, I will come to you this, that God has never, ever left us. And even if, Joe, you've been orphaned by your physical parents, right? There's no other way to describe you except to say you were orphaned. But God has not left us as orphans. That's not your identity anymore. Joe's not an right. orphan. You know, he's a child of God who's loved and valued beyond measure, no matter what people say about him right and even i'm i I once said yeah i'm just a sinner and they're like no you're not (laughs) you're a child of god who sins right we do have sin in our lives and god forgives us but to to identify this idea that i my identity is wrapped up in who god is not who i am and i think forgiveness just Mm -hmm. to to kind of close out your question tara for i couldn't answer that question without coming Mm -hmm. back to forgiveness for me, it was a key ingredient. I am not here today with you. I'm not, I don't even know where I'm at without following God's obedience. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it a few episodes ago. So That's I don't want to, yeah, episode yeah, 22, we talked more in I depth about, I don't want to go into detail now, but just know that forgiveness without forgiveness, there's no way any of this other stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness was key. And forgiveness is really what brought forth understanding mm-hmm. that my, my mom had some mental health issues, that there were things way beyond her control even. Now she didn't respond favorably or the right way, Mm -hmm. but I see God, when I see the way God looks at her, he looks at her with empathy, love, and grace. Mm -hmm. And that's, I can't, if God loves her, then who am I to say I won't? And Mm -hmm. and understanding that I can't be in the same room with her, her. I can't have a relationship with her, right? There are boundaries that have to be put in place, but I'm going to forgive. Um, And then, yeah, so Mm -hmm. I, I think forgiveness is huge. What I've seen in your life, Joe, too, in the in the you know the years we've been together, too, is these different steps of, you know, reconciling your suffering and understanding your love and understanding whose voice is the loudest and forgiveness and all those things. It is like a cycle of things you're continually working on. It's not like, bam, I got that done. We move on. I feel like every season, and it's even like the Mother's Day season. Sometimes for you is a trigger to say, do I need to work on some of these things? Right? Mm-hmm. Where, what part of my my life, my heart is not submitted to God in these areas? if I'm still feeling a little bit off here. So I feel like as much as I know it's a hard holiday for you, it is help us to get our hearts back on track. And we have a lot more to say about this. This is like one of those. Yeah, that's why we have a two part. We're still going. So next week, we're going to kind of talk about the clash that happened with the same topic as I became a mother and I went head first into motherhood. Um, And that kind of crazy experience that we had along the way. Yeah. Joe, so, thank you so much for sharing with us. I know this is not your favorite topic <laughs> to share about, but I know that that you are not alone and that this is a, unfortunately a very common experience for many people just to have such brokenness in their relationships with their mo- mother, family, and all the complication that it brings that rarely is anybody truly the hallmark family that everything is always perfect with your mom. 
Yeah, and, and I do want to just say this before we go. Um, maybe your experience is different than mine, but there's still stuff there that makes this a very difficult mm -hmm. time of year. There's lots of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. Just number one, there's nothing inherently wrong with you, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that took me a long time to understand. Um, As a person. You're not alone. Uh, these are struggles that so many of us have, but when we're in church on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day and you look around, you think everybody else has it really mm -hmm. well together because their smiles on their face, they're dressed well, they're, they look like they have it together. But to understand that, I think for me to begin to understand that I wasn't alone mm -hmm. made a huge difference in going, okay, there are others who, who also struggle with this. There are also others who, who are triggered by this. And also that there's hope that for me, there's a really strong chance that I will never have a healthy relationship with my mom this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. But we do know we serve a God who will make it right. Mm -hmm. It will be made right in one way or another. And there will come a day when this will, anything worth making sense will make mm -hmm. sense and we will be completely healed. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're so grateful to have spent time with you. Um, we'd love to connect with you. And if we can pray for you, we'd mm -hmm. love to do that as well. There's a couple of different ways to connect. Yeah, we'd love to find you on Facebook or at Behind Our Smiles and we're on Instagram at Behind Our Smiles Pod. We also love your five-star ratings mm -hmm. and reviews are always an encouragement and they help people to find us. If this right. episode has been a blessing to you, please share it with a friend. Yeah. So thank you again so much. Uh, thanks to our producer, Mark Stubinger, who does a fantastic <laughs> job. And we'll be back next week with part two.